under the Vertolberg for business. Sharp blades commonly used in many coastal areas, including of course South Africa, to reduce the likelihood of humans being bitten by sharks are responsible for the deaths of thousands of sharks and inadvertently trap and harm marine species like dolphins. A team of marine biologists from Stellenbosch University has developed an alternative solution called the Shark Safe Barrier. It's an eco-friendly innovation and it's gaining international recognition. In the studio with me is Dr. Sara Andriotti who is the Chief Operations Officer of the project to discuss the innovation. Hi, Sarah, how are you? I am well, thank you so much for having me. Well, can we first of all start with the drawbacks of conventional shark nets? So, this technology, this concept that um, we should kill shark to protect divers and um, surfers and swimmers comes from 1930, it comes from Australia actually. And the idea is that the more shark we kill, the less shark-human encounter we're going to get. And South Africa follows suit in the 50s, uh, where they started deploying these gill nets uh, that are very efficient in trapping and killing marine life, including sharks. And then from the 80s, they started replacing some of these uh, shark nets, these gill nets, with baited hooks called drumline, so they could more specifically kill shark and kill a little less dolphins and whales and turtles. But the problem remains in the fact that they are killing sharks. What benefits does yours then offer? You say it's more of an eco-solution. Absolutely. Well, the first step is we are not killing anything. We study sharks' behavior and we realize that they don't like entering thick forests of kelp, our seaweeds that we have here in South Africa. And on top of it, we know that sharks have a sense that allows them to feel electric and magnetic fields in the water. They use that to detect where their preys are, if the preys are under the sand. They use that for migration. They use that when they're hunting. So if we put very large magnets uh, in the water, the sharks can feel the magnetic field. And if the magnets are big enough, this sensation is overwhelming for them. So they cannot come any closer. And we merge this idea with the visual appearance of a forest of kelp. And that is where the shark safe barrier design came from. And how long ago did you start the development? Uh, the first time we had our technology together, combining, you know, the kelp uh, looking like the magnet was 2012. The first time um, we wrote down the kelp barrier project that didn't include the magnet yet, that was back in 2000. The first time I heard from it, um, I've heard from Mike Ratzen, a South African conservationist. He had his idea of, of using fake kelp to keep sharks at bay. And that was 2007, 2008, we brought it down for the first time. And then slowly but surely, we, we added the, the magnets, we had collaborators, and we patented it. So it's a 15 years in the project, in the making. I think the question South Africans would like to know, is it effective against a great white shark? Yes, yes. Before we put it on the market, that's why we took 15 years. We didn't sit on it for 15 years. We actually wanted to test it. So we built a shark safe barrier in Housby in an area called the Shark Alley because of the presence of white sharks. And then we tested the magnet first. Then we created a curtain that, of this fake kelp with the magnet in and put 
fish on the other side, up current. So the smell of this bait would go through the barrier to try and motivate white sharks to cross it. And, and they wouldn't, they would just swim around it. So that's, that was a great step. And from that, we built a bigger enclosure, a 15 meter by 15 meter square, again in the shark alley. We put the fish in the middle and then we recorded with GoPro what the shark behavior was. And every single time, and I'm talking about 63 different white sharks over a two years um, period of study, they would come, they could feel, they could smell the chum. They would come around and smell where it's coming from and swim around our square and swim around and swim around and then get a bit annoyed that they cannot cross it and go away. Well, you said you patented it now and um, now it's also being sold for the first time in the open market, the Bahamas. That's exciting. The Bahamas, it, it is indeed. So we, we did all the tests, you know, with the bull shark and the great white, we are the two biggest species often responsible for the, the, the accident that happened to humans. And you see, the, the accident themselves, the, the problem we are talking about is not much a problem of human safety. There are six to eight shark-related fatalities that happen globally every year. Six to eight. Very nothing. It's nothing. But the fear that people have for this risk is what is justifying the use of shark net and drumline. Or, or even giving, like they're doing in Reunion Island or New Caledonia, these are French islands where the uh, local municipality is giving the fishermen the go-ahead to go and fish out bull shark and tiger shark. Not for consumption, just for, to reduce their number because they're afraid of, for their tourism. So that's why we develop another technology is to try and stop this shark call that is happening in South Africa, Australia, and Ireland. Um, and on the other side is give peace of mind to surfers and swimmers in area where the shark presence is there and trying to foster a sort of peaceful coexistence with these animals and you know, take away the fear. So what were the challenges in commercializing your product? <laughs> Many. <laughs> Because, well, first of, first of all, I'm a, I'm a scientist, I'm an academic. Um, so when Stellenbosch University asked me to commercialize this back in 2017, I personally didn't know where to start from at all. Um, I have a PhD on, on shark population estimates and genetics. So the furthest you can be from a commercial operation. And they were, Innovos is the commercialization branch and IP protectors of the university, they sent me through a clean tech business accelerator program. So I, I could start getting a little bit the hang of the terminology and how does it work, what investors would look for in a potential company startup. And then slowly but surely, I got very good mentors and very nice people to walk the walk with me. And now we have a really good team um, with people that are experts in sales. Uh, Professor Marius Ungerer who is uh, being the, the chair of our board. He's a um, professor in business strategy. Um, so yeah, we had a, a, an engineer, a coastal engineer, Lori Barwell on board. So it's the fact that I'm, we managed to have a team of, of people that have the same belief we have um, to make this work that made all the difference. So how successful has it been in the Bahamas? 
Well, they've been in for three months now. Uh, clients are happy. They sent me um, a picture. It's very nice. So what happened in that area is that they have manatee and they were worried that these animals wouldn't go in because of the barrier. And yeah. I told them that that's not the case because the barrier is shark specific, doesn't entangle marine life, only as the sharks can feel the magnet. And, and the other day they sent me this of a manatee crossing yeah. the pipes. You see the pipes on the bottom? <sighs> they, they are fairly happy. It doesn't deter dolph dolphins either. No, no, it doesn't entangle nor kill dolphins. We had seals playing in it. Uh, they are, the, the fishes, they use that as an artificial reef. So it is also creating a little bit of new surface for biomass growth. Or we will have more fishes and invertebrates that will start colonizing the, the structure. While at the same time, if a shark comes, they won't, they won't cross it. Are there any plans to deploy the um, shark safe barrier in South African waters? Yes, the, we have plans. Um, we just have to, to find a way on how to execute them. We started speaking with a local uh, citizen in Plattenberg Bay back in mm. 2020 already, even before they had these two fatalities last year. Um, and because Plattenberg Bay is a very special place, they have a seal colony inshore. Uh, all the other uh, famous aggregation sites around South Africa for, for white shark, we have little seal island. So Angoa Bay, Mossel Bay, uh, Falls Bay, Hans Bay, we all have little seal islands. So the sharks in winter would use to aggregate around the seal island, and then in summer would come closer inshore hunting other, other species, other sharks, other fishes. But Plattenberg Bay have the seals inshore, so the wild sharks are inshore potentially all year round. And that is what made the, the, the locals a bit worried about it. Um, and also there was a very uh, viral video taken with a drone of these white sharks swimming very, very nicely um, next to the surface. So, of course, 99.9% .9 of the time, nothing happened, the sh especially if the visibility is good, the shark swims by and it goes on. Yeah, not, not food and carries on. Um, but that made people a bit nervous about it. So they contacted us. We went and surveyed the area. We spoke them with the Pitu municipality even more after the accident. They send a support letter. They're very clean in seeing something happening. But of course, it, it costs something to manufacture and transport and install our technology. And we need to also go through the hassle of the hassle. Well, it's, it's important of the, an environmental impact assessment or, or start the process with it um, before we have something permanent in the water. Well, is it manufactured locally in South Africa? Oh, yes. It's in it's Maitland. The manufacturers okay. are called K&D Fabrications. And they've been uh, with us for the last eight years of development and R&D. And so uh, we, we make a really good team. The owner of the company is, is also a diver. So when we had to do, uh, when we were experimenting on the robustness of our design, we would do so in Glen Cane. And the owner of the factory was in the water with me, tightening bolt and making videos and making it work. So the, the cost of it, you mentioned that it is quite costly. Would it, that be a barrier to send it worldwide and get it on literally almost every beach in the world? 
no, I think everything can be organized. And I think the bigger the company gets, the lower the price can get eventually. Because if the shark safe barrier company becomes big enough, we can buy both. And then we can, we, we can reduce the overall price. Um, the hassle is now at the beginning that we are a new company. We need to build a bit of uh, trust in our, from our potential clients. And that's why this Bahamas installation is, is such a big milestone for us. Is a real client that put the barrier down to protect the beach and they're happy. Yeah. So what are your future plans for the shark barrier? Are there any improvements or new features in the pipeline? No, always. I mean, the, that's, uh, we are working with the ocean, which is a bit of a hostile environment to build things in. So at the moment, we have a very, very strong, very good product that we can install on rocks, mid-sand, deep sand. Um, but of course, there is always space for improving the, the design to make it more, even more robust if we can, and then find even better balance in between price without losing out on robustness. So our, our effort right now is trying to uh, reduce the price as much as we can by keeping it as strong as it is. And how long does it remain effective before it needs to be replaced? The magnets don't change their strength, uh, but the pipes are made of HDPE. Uh, so in time, the plastic will need to be, to the, the outside plastic, we can uh, um, recycle it to make new pipes, uh, but it needs to be replaced. But we're talking about maybe 20, in 20 years time, the idea would be to have a proactive maintenance rather. So we keep it clean, we keep it nice. If we see that some of the pipes are, are getting old, then we can uh, be proactive about it and keep it up which is good for job creation as well. It's not going to be a standalone thing. We can have a dedicated team. Sorry. And it would also be good for tourism because it means that people are more, you know, not as reluctant to go into water. Because yes. you mentioned Plettenberg Bay. I've swam there. And the <laughs> lifesavers then come and they call people out of the water because there's a shark and everybody gets out. And after a while, they have, you know, helicopters and they say, you can get back in the water. And not a single international tourist wanted to get back in. All the South Africans were back in. <laughs> they were used to it. <laughs> the international people said, no way. They're not no going way. back in yeah. the water. So it would be good that's for tourism. Right. Absolutely. And that's the old idea. That, I mean, the, the, like, the risk of um, reduced tourism is what justifies uh, shark call at the moment. And um, it was, it was justifies shark nets. So that is what we are going about trying to uh, give peace of mind uh, without killing marine life. Yeah, can we just get back to, because earlier you said about how few people are actually killed by sharks and this fear of us and movies like Jaws that, you know, we all hear that do, do, when we actually think of the shark. Can you, do you know how old Jaws is now? No. It's 40, they, they made this movie 48 years ago. And we can still hear those two notes. Um, and, and how, you know, the documentaries, there are some Shark Week documentaries, they keep on hammering on this, on the fear factor, blood yeah. cells, and let's keep, um, even cartoons for kids. We have the Lion King that is portrayed as this very important top predators achieve to maintain the circle of life. Mm -hmm. And then in finding Nemo, the sharks are always the bad guys. So, so, so how do you think we should be as sharks? 
we should put them in context. We should start looking at them the same way we look at other top predators like leopard and, and lions and tigers and wolf. We change our perspective, our mind uh, attitude towards these predators the moment we started learning more about them. We realize how important they are. We realize they need to be, they need to be protected. And we started being fascinated by them. So that is where I would like us to get um, when talking about sharks as well. Yeah, I think most divers think it's amazing to see a shark in the water. They have a different reaction. Yes, because they know them better. Anybody that has been diving with shark will tell you they're fantastic to dive with. Everybody that have never seen a shark in their life will be very afraid of them. So it's, it's, about, it's about getting to know them. So, Sora, how do you feel about the chalk cage diving, the term they put in the water to attract great whites? I think it's great. I think that is one of the most successful conservation stories we have for sharks because that makes the animals being financially important by being alive. People from all over the world will come to South Africa and pay to see the sharks alive and healthy in the water. And that gives us um, a good excuse to keep them protected. And um, there were some rumors that there were well-known sharks from Fal False Bay that disappeared um, and, and people were worried that they were being hunted by orcas. Do you know anything about that story? Yes, I actually, that was part of my PhD when, uh, that I finished in 2015. My, my PhD work with Telemosh University was actually counting white sharks. I did that by taking photo identification so we could identify them like a fingerprint. Their dorsal fin is unique for every individual. And then I used genetic techniques. We collected samples around the whole coastline to see how the population was doing. And the results show that genetically they are not doing very well. They're very inbred. They went through some sort of bottleneck historically and recently um, that had been going on for decades. So the protection from 1991 was obviously not sufficient uh, to keep the population healthy because the protection came that doesn't allow people to, to kill them for consumption or for trophy. But Kazuro Natal Sharboard is still operating and has an exception to kill them, an exemption. Um, we have poaching still happening, bycatch still happening, legal, illegal gill, gill nets happening. So the enforcement of the protection was not sufficient. And this population had been declining slowly but surely for decades. And then it came out uh, more recently that they are gone in False Bay and in Clowns mm -hmm. Bay. There are a few individuals in Mossel Bay. Um, and to date, I didn't see numbers to prove that they... The animals I used to see on the West Coast moved east. Um, I counted personally 426 individual white sharks coming to Kalsby in between 2009-2012. And I don't know where they are. So, you, so, so it's not been counted since? A student of mine redid the count five years later, but we need to have that published before I can put out the number. But it's about one-fourth. Uh, five years after my study, uh, one-fourth uh, was left. And not all of them were from the one I counted. So, yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's bad, actually, which motivates even further trying to replace the shark nets with something else or oh. take them out. So. so do you think the rumors that orcas are hunting these sharks for their lovers 
Um, is, no, no, is, that is true. Um, is that I mean, true? We had we had seven instances of white sharks uh, either washing to the beach or being recorded being hunted by orca. But we are talking about seven um, sharks killed as evidence show. Let's assume even ten. That is nothing compared to the bycatch and the Kazuro Natal Kazuro Natal shark board from 1978. Mm -hmm. to uh, 2008, that is the only number I've got, um, captured and killed 1,068 great white. So, yes, the orca didn't help, but the amount of um, mortality caused by humans is full of hundreds. Yeah. Dr. Sara Andreati, thank you so much for speaking to us. That was lovely. Big pleasure. Thank you very much. <laughs>